Welcome back to Thimbleberry U. I am John Jagay. I'm joined again by Amy Walls from Thimbleberry Financial. Great to be back with you, Amy. Uh, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to probably not come as any surprise to our listeners that we are going to talk about what is dominating the headlines right now, and that is coronavirus as it relates to the market. Coronavirus, the market declines have been the big headline. Should investors be panicking? Number one question. Um, no, they should not be. I like that answer. So very, very definitive. It is scary, but as of Friday, February 28th, the S&P 500 and the Dow were down just a little over 14 and 12% respectively. That is not in the one week. That is off of their highs. And it should be worth pointing out that we are recording this on uh, Wednesday morning, March 4th. So we're talking about the Friday before we're recording this. Yes. So a 14% decline and 12% decline can sound scary, but you are more likely to be hurt if you actually sell. And the reason for that is, you know, we've already in the last two days seen some recovery from that. So if you sold last week, you may have sold at a time where you won't be able to get back into the market at a lower point. So if you sell and get out, but try to get back in, the market might be higher and you're going to lose money by getting out and coming back in. Yes. And so selling in that way is market timing. And we know it doesn't work. Um, what I love to say about market timing is if it did work, we'd all be on a beach in Fiji or in our happy place, wherever that is. <laughs> With market timing, you have to get lucky twice. You have to get lucky on the way out and you have to get lucky on the way back in. Mm -hmm. And the odds are not in our favor for that. Right. Also with the declines, it's important to note that over the last 35 years, stocks have averaged calendar year declines of 14%, but 80% of the time they still end positive. I want to dig into that and, and make sure I understand this point, Amy, because I know it's important. Mm -hmm. Explain the 14% part again to me. Yep. So we could be up 10% during the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say January 1 comes around, the market's going up, and February 15th, we're up 10%. Mm -hmm. And we get a downturn. We might go down 14% from that high. Okay. And then still come back and end the year positive. In fact, that happens 80% of the time. The average decline in the year over the last 35 years is 14%. So on average, we're dropping off 14%, but four out of five times, we bounce back. Absolutely. So with that said, the point is, and why not to panic, is if you haven't sold, you haven't lost. I like that. So you only lose when you lock in those losses. That's the only way to lose. So the whole idea, you always want to buy low and sell high, but if you are going to sell off when it's low, you are guaranteeing the loss as opposed to just riding out the market ups and downs. Yes. The other reason not to panic is not related to my email, but my email inbox is completely full right now of reports from analysts and different investment companies around coronavirus and the market and what's happening. Sure. And looking through those and reading them, for the most part, they all say the same thing. This downturn really appears to be fear-driven. Yeah. Okay. Once the fear dies down, the decline is likely to be followed by a recovery that is similar in nature to the downturn. Okay. So what we call that is a V-curve. It goes down fairly steeply and it comes back fairly steeply. Got it. That's what most of the analysts are saying. This could last for a little bit. So, you know, it's something to be aware of, not something to panic over. And it could get worse before it gets better. 
We've already seen some recovery and some declines again. We don't know where that will end up. But overall, the analysts are really expecting this V curve that says it should recover in the same way that it went down. With that in mind, Amy, what suggestions do you have for those of us that are a little bit nervous right now? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, focus on things you can control and things you can influence. You've heard me say that before. That is true in so many aspects of life. Yep. If you're in the distribution stage, see if you can reduce the amount you take out of your investments while it's down. You know, if you're taking out an extra $1,000 a month just for fun money or to, to refill a cash reserve or something like that, maybe back off of that for the time being. Good idea. Okay. Look at, do you really have the right allocation for the long term for you? Because if you're concerned that the market's going down and you might need to sell out of your investments, then to me, that says you aren't positive you have the right mix of investments in the first place. Yeah, because you want to be diversified. You want to plan for the long term. So if you are allocated in such a way that a short downturn like this, and like you said, mostly driven by fear, is going to have that much of an effect of your overall finances, you probably should reconsider where your money is. Absolutely. Another thing to do is know your opportunities in a down market. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different things depending on your situation that you may be able to do. If you've got some big capital gains for some reason, go ahead and look at capturing some losses if this market is going to create those. Look at exercising incentive stock options if you're, you know, a tech client that has those. Look at Roth conversions mm -hmm. in a down market. My wife and I have talked about this. Once we get our taxes squared away and figure out where we fall uh, with all that, if there's money left over, we're looking at each other saying, well, the market's down. Now's a great time to get in, right? Absolutely. Yes. Look at that money on the sidelines and say, what can you put in? And then I think, last of all, just redirect your fear. Focus on your environment, how you're going to stay healthy if coronavirus does hit your area. And I think also with that, find a hobby. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. We can all use more hobbies. Way better than watching uh, cable news all day and, and them telling us that coronavirus is going to destroy the world. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we don't need that. Get rid of the things that are creating fear in your life. Absolutely. So you mentioned knowing your opportunities, Amy. What do you mean exactly by know your opportunities in a situation like this? Yeah, I touched on these briefly, but know your plan. How is it that you're going to move forward financially and put yourself in a better situation? Mm -hmm. And have it mapped out what you can do in a down market, because this may not be as low as we are going. So I mentioned capture losses capital losses to offset gains. Mm -hmm. You can't do this in a retirement account, but if you have investments that uh, are in a brokerage account, for example, and they're negative from what you bought them at, that's a loss. Capital losses can offset capital gains. So when you sell an investment, again, not in a retirement account, but that's at a gain, these losses can offset up to the amount of the gain and $3,000 more when you go to do your taxes. You can carry, it's called carry forward. Okay. $3,000 each year. If you have bigger losses than that, you can carry them forward in future years. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned exercising incentive stock options earlier. If your company stock, assuming, you know, that's the stock we're talking about, if the stock price is reduced, you may be able to exercise and avoid alternative minimum tax. Exercising of incentive stock options is a tax-free event from a federal standpoint, 
but it is a triggering event for alternative minimum tax. So the stock price being down may help you avoid that AMT tax. Okay. Like we said, if there's money you have sitting on the sidelines or you've been dollar cost averaging, meaning putting money in, for example, each month into investments that aren't retirement accounts, you may just want to take that money and dump it into the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knowing that the market may go lower still, but that you're happy that you got in at a discount. And when I say this, I don't think that a 14% decline is really big enough to be doing that. Mm-hmm just since 14% is the average we go down by annually anyway. Okay. And then with the Roth conversions that I talked about earlier, the reason that you might consider that if they're part of your plan is simply that if you had $100,000 and it goes down 20%, now you're down to $80,000, you can get that over to the Roth and you're only going to pay tax on $80,000 instead of 100000 That is a really important point. And I want to come back to something you said a couple minutes ago, Amy, about you know, only worrying about what you can control and trying to redirect that fear somewhere else. What are you doing personally to redirect fear in your life? Yeah, I don't know if it's come up before, but I have a couple of uh, health conditions that make me a little bit more at risk. And my husband has been very worried about that. And so uh, this Saturday, he spent time hitting the grocery store along with everyone else uh, because coronavirus was found to be in Portland on Friday. Okay. He bought groceries and medical supplies so that we could hunker down at home if we needed to. We also had some serious conversations about what our fears were in this and then took that and said, what can we practically do? Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to keep the kids home from school, but we touched on it. We touched on should they go to gymnastics class where all the kids have touched everything all over (laughs) the gym and we're sure they can't really sanitize it. And in the end, we said, no, they get to continue to live their lives until that fear gets big enough, Mm -hmm. until the risk is big enough, really. And from an office perspective, if we need to, we will close our office and we'll have our team work from home. Yeah. And we'll be able to hold appointments with our clients, you know, over the phone or um, over computer meetings. So we just laid out what the problems were and how we might be able to realistically address them. You're in a bit of a unique situation with your health concerns, but I know for me personally, I have a college alumni reunion that I go to every year, and it's this weekend, Uh and I am going to be on a plane for an hour and a half tomorrow, and then an hour and a half coming back on Sunday. Is it in the back of my mind? Yes. Am I going out and buying a surgical mask to walk through the airport with? No, because that's not necessary at this point. And I know that there is a small risk. I'm putting myself at risk being in an airport, being on a plane, being in a hotel room, being around and shaking hands and hugging all the people that I only get to see once a year. But for me, I am not going to not live my life and go to this weekend event that I look forward to every single year and seeing these great friends that I went to college with because of the fear of coronavirus. Yep. I actually have to fly to a conference on the East Coast next week. And, you know, it's been a question, do I go or not, given the risks? And I'm just going to take my own food, Mm -hmm. my own water bottle, and I'll make sure I have my own tissues and that sort of thing and uh, hand sanitizer. Wipe down the tray table. That's my advice to you. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Uh, Earlier, Amy, you said someone could be hurt being out of the market. Can we just dive into that a little bit more in the couple minutes we have left? Absolutely. Human nature is that we are more fearful of loss than of what we may not gain. Okay. Okay, so more fearful of loss than what we might not gain. I think that's important to say. Mm -hmm. And really, it's that fear of loss that's why people make the mistake of running in a down market. 
They run from the market. But what you may actually lose by not being invested or missing the best days in the market is a lot worse than what you might lose by writing it down. Okay. Okay. If you invested in January of 1980, and let's say you invest $10,000, on January 1 of 2019, so a little over a year ago, you would have had $650,000 if you stayed in the market. From that original $10,000 investment. Yes. So we're talking about 40 years. Okay. If you miss the 30 best days in the market, you'd only have about $125,000. So oftentimes some of those best days in the market are when the market turns around. And so if you miss the 10 best days in the market over those nearly 40 years, you'll only have $300,000. Again, compared to that 650 we were talking about a second ago. Yep. So less than half. So there's been over that time frame, 1980 to 2019, there have been many downturns, including 2008. So missing the 10 best days or the 30 best days leaves you with a lot less money, 125000 versus 650 for 30 days and 300000 versus 650 for the 10 best days. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's significant. And we just, as humans, we don't think about that because we haven't lost anything, but we just may not gain what we needed to. Those are really powerful numbers, uh, including the number when you mentioned that was 40 years ago because I was born in 1980, and thank you for reminding me that I turned 40 this year. <laughs> no problem. Happy birthday. Not till December. I got a little ways away. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, we've talked a lot about a lot of different aspects today related to the coronavirus and related to the down market, what to do, what not to do. What other resources are available that you can mention to us before we wrap up? Yeah. Well, we previously recorded a, a podcast on market volatility. It was a couple months back. It's as relevant to this market as any other. So I think that's something to check out. Talk to your advisor. If they're giving you advice to sell out or you don't like other things they have to say, then give us or give another advisor a call. Yes. You need to be able to trust the people you work with. Not all advisors are created equal. And if you're getting advice that sounds a little hinky, it sounds like you're not quite sure you're trusting what your advisor says, you need to go somewhere else. Amy, if somebody wants to get a hold of you at Thimbleberry Financial, what are the best ways to reach you? Yeah, give us a call at 503-610-6510 or look us up at thimbleberryfinancial.com. Next time, we're going to talk about something other than coronavirus. Absolutely. Registered representative securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Thimbleberry Financial are not affiliated. Cambridge does not offer tax or legal advice. Thimbleberry Financial is located at 650 Northeast Holiday Street, Suite 1600, Portland, Oregon, 97232.